Welcome, welcome, one and all. Pull up a chair and get ready for another great episode of Nevermind the Keywords. I am your host, Charlie Myler, and with me is my fellow co-host and all-round ledge, Nafisa Atcher. Nafisa, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good, 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 good. What a show we have in store for you today, people. Uh, not only are we chatting to James Welch, uh, who is the head of innovation at Embryo and an SEO guru, a network science sort of messiah. Yes. He would love, he'd love me calling him that. Um, we'll, might, we might cut that in the edit. Um, we'll be chatting to him. Um, but before we do that, we're going to run through the news right after this. Welcome back. You join us at the news section where we just run through a couple of articles that we found over the last uh, week that have caught our eye. Nafi, has anything sort of caught your caught your eye over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so I found an article in, in the drum by one of Ogilvy's vice presidents and she was talking about how we've she just had like Ramadan and yeah. Eid in the Muslim calendar and she was talking about how marketing has sort of been more genuine and authentic yeah. around that and how brands are embracing it more like I've seen like um brands like Joe Malone have like yeah. Eid events and things like that and she they, she was making a point of like how it should be like a year round thing mm-hmm. and like different pockets of society should be yeah. more focused throughout the year not just specific times of the year yeah um in the same way audiences in other parts of marketing now as well it yeah quite interesting. it is really interesting I read the article um and we'll leave a link to it in the show notes but it, she talks about how the she talks about how the kind of lockdown sort of brought Ramadan into the spotlight a lot more because it was the first big holiday big celebration that was affected by the lockdown and the kind of focus on that has helped sort of bring it more forward in brands minds and therefore inside of the public consciousness yeah because it was like because normally it's such a community thing for yeah. people to do it's not something that you just do in your house it's some like you know you give food to neighbors yeah. you have um like you break fast with other people yeah. and, and obviously during lockdown we couldn't do that we yeah, were quite yeah, restricted yeah. and Eid we couldn't really celebrate with our families mm. either it was kind of and same as Christmas you yeah. were kind of like yeah, absolutely. family and yeah, things yeah. like that so um there was a lot people were a lot more talking about it yeah. talking about ways that you can still have that community and hold that community yeah. spirit yeah, which is really interesting yeah and it it touches on how it's gone beyond like what is Ramadan or what is Eid and instead it's about brands catering far more to that community than they ever have done and talking to them on their level I think is that the right way of going is that the right I think that might be the right term it's um, more genuine and authentic than it has ever been before yeah I think in my experience like not in the past when I've seen um adverts or campaigns it's come across as sort of disingenuous there hasn't really been a lot of education behind it like you can tell that the you can tell the teams working behind it at the moment have done their research mm. understand what the concept yeah, is yeah. understand what the what the celebrations are yeah. why we do the things that we do and I've also seen a lot of news articles going beyond just the fact that Ramadan is not about eating and drinking there's yeah. a lot more behind it than yeah. the religious aspect yeah, yeah, yeah. of it which I think is really nice and yeah. to see yeah, that's and let's hope it transcends through other religions and other important holiday events that aren't just about, you know, that aren't just sort of Christmas because, I, yeah, I think it's much needed. Um, moving on, I uh, something I found in Marketing Tech News was a survey that found that three out, three and five Brits uh, regret their social media-influenced spending um, and that Facebook has been named the most influential social media platform for Brits buying new habits. Um, a survey 
survey from a credit broker called Little Loans um, has sort of lifted the lid on Britain's buying habits and how and it's sort of sort of shown how companies can market um, market products through social media and things like that. Um, Brits have spent an average of 148 quid on products and services that they've seen on social media and websites. And 60% of them have confessed that they regretted buying more than one item off the off those platforms. And I wonder why I think, I think the theory is that the rush of seeing it, yeah. you make it, they make it so easy to buy that you've not really had time to think about it before you've bought it, have you? No, you kind of just, you, you kind of skip the decision-making process yeah. when you see it because especially on things like Instagram where like you get a link to things yeah. straight away. It's yeah. really easy just to like yeah. swipe up, go through yeah. with Apple Pay and things like that yeah. as well. You don't need yeah, to have absolutely. your credit card on hand yeah, yeah. to wait to kind of rip it out, put your numbers in. And yeah. If, if, if brands have got it right and some don't, some do it better. Um, M&S randomly, M&S are really, really good at it. Uh, I think I bought something with three clicks. It was insane. And it kind of touches on later. We chat with James about the messy middle and that sort of stuff. It's, Social media is that is one of the biggest trigger points when people are in that churn of the messy middle, which we'll go on to explain what that means in the in the interview with James. So stick around for that. But um, yeah, it's just an example of that trigger. But also, I think it's a you've got to be a bit responsible. I think you've got to be responsible as, as a brand to not. I think you have a job to make people not regret that purchase. Yeah, and, and you've got to be authentic, haven't you? Yeah, and also making sure that you kind of explain in the social media post what the product does and make sure you get everything across. Mm. Like it's not making sure it's targeted to the right audience yeah. as well, I think is quite key. Yeah, and I think look, with these kind of reports getting becoming more and more commonplace, people seeing them, there's going to be a cynicism that grows soon of customers who've had crap experiences, who have regretted what they've bought. Yeah. Brands have got to kind of manoeuvre quite quickly to still leverage all the power of social media, but also make sure that they're selling something that's authentic, right? That's got to be quite a tricky thing to, that's quite an existential thing on the horizon to kind of worry about, isn't it? Yeah. I also think as well, like users themselves have to be aware that yeah. they still need yeah. to do their research. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think absolutely. there needs to be more of a symbiotic education. Yes. Yes. Everyone's got to learn basically. Yeah. Um, Fantastic stuff. Yeah, we will leave links to all those articles in the show notes for you guys to have a look at. When we come back, we will be chatting to James Welch. Welcome back to Nevermind the Keywords. We're delighted to be joined in studio by Embryo's very own Chief Innovation Director, James. James, welcome to Nevermind the Keywords. How are you? Okay. You are Director of Innovation. Why do you think innovation is so important in the world of business? Um, if you don't innovate, you die. Is it that fundamental, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always been in, every business I've been in has always, luckily, well, I say luckily, but it's always grown very quickly and either, I've usually worked in small businesses and they've, and they've gone on to become very big in their field very quickly. And I, I can only put that down to being more innovative than everybody else at that time. And then I've seen other businesses in Manchester right now, there's other businesses who, who are very big in their sector and they are doing the more innovative, innovative things. It's very rare that you'll find a business grows quickly without having some form of innovation, whether accidentally or not, yes. um, that's the, at the crux of that. And how do you think that business can proactively innovate? You need to have faith in those strange people that, that 
are like me um, and trust your judgment with them. Um, forcing it is very difficult. You need to give, you need to find very creative people who you, who you can trust, stick them in the room and let them get on with it. Now, for everything that I create, there's probably eight or nine things that have, I've not let get to the stage where other people can see them. Um, and without that kind of freedom of being able to come up with such things, um, we wouldn't have created some of the, the things that basically mm. propel the business right now. Um, embryos, basically embryos growing on the things that we've created. Yeah, in that, we're sort in of innovating. Why would, why would, why would a, why should a business listening like, they're doing well, let's say business X is doing fairly well, they've got a comfortable level of growth, yet they should still be innovating. Why should they bother? Because there's always two guys in a bedroom that have had different life experiences that will have an idea that just completely um, uh, hits the industry for six. Yeah. And it's usually people that come either come from school or come from a, a, an industry that's absolutely nothing to 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 do with the main industry. Yeah. A good example of um, it's a well documented thing, but NASA. Um, had a massive upturn in in, being a, in in fuel efficiency by hiring a couple of guys that worked in refrigeration for 40 years. Yeah. And their last 20 years of work made space flights something like a 1,000% cheaper than it, than really? it was previously. Yeah, And that's what I'm saying. It's peop- it, There's always... So the reason why people should innovate is there's always something... Um, being created by somebody somewhere, and lucky breaks can turn that thought somewhere, um, or that those actions into industry-leading um, businesses that m- catch everybody surprised. Yeah. We've we've seen we've all seen that in yeah. every. Okay. So it's like an opportunity and a threat, all kind of wrapped into mm-hmm. one, isn't it? What are the things that you're excited about at the moment? Innovative ideas that you've seen. What brands are doing it well? What brands aren't? You know. Um, to be honest with you, I'm I'm in a bit of a um, I, I don't. I don't know much about the wider world at this moment in time. For mm-hmm. the last um, year or so, because I've been concentrating on our own things at yeah. Embryo. Um, what am I excited about? It's a strange thing to ask somebody like me, but um, it's the things I don't know yet mm-hmm. that I'm excited about. Like sometimes I have things that come to me, and, and I have one right this minute, and it's been like there for about couple of months and it's sort of there in my head and I haven't crystallized it into any yeah. kind of form yet but I know it's going to be perhaps the next thing that we that we do yeah and it's so I'm excited about the stuff I don't even know that exists yet I think that's where innovation comes from isn't it from yeah. discovering something that you that you don't know and igniting a spark yeah. yeah is that does that is that a typical process then from like starting out with this spark of an idea to actually like you say crystallizing it yeah. is that process typical throughout every idea you've had and everything you've kind of started at. Yeah, but it's also a bit of being a magpie as well. You sort of, you see something that other people have created and you think, ah, that would go with that. So there's a brilliant website called Product Hunt where um, it's a brilliant breeding ground for anyone that's into innovation because you'll see different products. There's about 30 or 40 products released every day. And where innovation comes from, from, in my particular head, is saying, ah, that product A could mix with product F, and that's that's how some of my ideas come come 
Um, but one thing I should say on the ideas in terms of formulation from an idea here to crystallization, I'm equally in love with an idea that falls flat on its face and doesn't get to production as I am with our, our biggest thing at this moment, something called Intermingle. I'm equally as in love and passionate about the things that failed mm. or didn't get to uh, production ready, I suppose, as Intermingle. It's, and that, I think that's absolutely key for... for um, Anyone in, in my field, if you if you discard the things that so called fail, you'll never reach the heights with your successes. In my in my where why is that? Do you think? Why do you have to love the failures as much? Because there's a reason. There's a genesis in every idea, and there's a reason why you had that idea in the first place. So there must be something about mm. it that, that could then be reused with something else. So if you so if you forget about them, you're then left with. Um, more isolated ideas where there could be there's so many ideas that could be reused mm -hmm. it's a bit like how um, comedy writers or music musicians or whatever they'll go back to ideas that they had that left on scraps of paper 20 30 40 yeah. years ago and and then think oh my god i can use that with that and, yeah. and it's so it's similar to that really do you have a similar like notebook of stuff yeah you mm -hmm. treat it i suppose you there's quite a comparison there maybe with a stand-up and an innovator you kind of you're kind of forcing yourself to think about stuff that might be crap it's yeah. all trial and error, isn't it? Yeah, yeah discovering absolutely. what works yeah. and what doesn't. Yeah, and and that's yeah, it is trial and error. But but in Western society, anyway, we have this thing where we we are scared of mistakes or scared of errors or mm. scared of things, and it's it's pathetic. Yeah, that's you know, there's so much richness in there, um, and and so I don't see them as failures or like I say or errors. I see them as just ideas that might not be ready yet. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's why innovation fails in lots of companies is because they they'll say oh you've had four failures now and, yeah you know and it's you know it's um, it's, a, it's completely the wrong word in a way isn't it it's more and it's not it's more trial and trial yeah, and trial and trial not trial and error hmm? and there's there's bits within each bit that you do that may fail in inverted commas yeah, um, yeah it's a subject we could talk about forever let's let's chat about network science. Because it's your passion project, and any new employee at Embryo gets James's famous network science lecture, which makes you genuinely think about the world differently, doesn't it? It was the most brilliant lecture I've had in a very long time. It and opened your mind up. Completely. I remember, I can't remember if it was you, Nafi, or someone else asked me, like, what's it like? What can I expect? And it was so hard to, like, explain it's, what it was. Yeah. I, it was like, I can't really explain it to you, but you'll leave and you'll have a completely different view on it. Do you want to. Break down network science to the listeners. Yeah, I'll break down my 12-hour lecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break, could you? One could you? That'd be nice and easy. Okay. Um, need to record it next time. <laughs> so basically, everything that you interact with in your entire life, everything that the universe is made of, is effectively part of a network. And once you... And what you, what you need to realise is every network follows exactly the same rule set. So whether it's an ant colony in Shrewsbury or a, a planetary system in some random galaxy, yeah. exactly the same maths are involved. Not one different, not one, you know, um, uh, decimal point of mm -hmm. difference. And the sooner you realise that, you then start to make much better decisions in your life, in your working life. You realise why, for random things like why Wembley always had to be built in London. And, you know, I remember as a kid thinking... 
why why shouldn't why Wembley should be built in the Midlands somewhere because mm. it's in the middle of the country and it's it's incorrect mathematically the reason for that um, to things like uh, what got me started on it was wondering why African children didn't wear shoes um, and that sent me on a whole journey of years and years of travelling and study and um, and the same reason why African children don't wear shoes is the same reason why the sun is a part of our galaxy yeah. Um, obviously, that sounds very incredulous in this short space of time. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, that's the. Um, that's What's the have you got? Have you got a, an example that you use in the in in when someone asks you how to like crystal? And we go back to crystallize again, but like crystallized network science. Is there an example? So why why did Wembley have to be built in London then? Because um, there's something called winner takes all theory, where the the better content something has, the more content it, it um, absorbs. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why. Um, if I offered you £10,000 to go to Iowa for a month or I offered you £2,000 to go to New York for a month, you would probably choose New York because mm. there's much more content there. So um, so the reason why Wembley was, was, was built in London is because there's more content in London. Um, it's the reason why other cities, including Manchester, the, the, many of the people there are quite jealous of, of um, London. But... And, and it's because it has more content. So that is the reason why smaller football teams are jealous of bigger football teams, better content, better players, all those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And why do you think like network science is such an integral part of business? Because if you look at some of the most successful people on earth, whether knowingly or unknowingly, they've used network science principles and methods to become a success. A good example in, in our modern society of the Emiratis in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Use it. They use it to amazing um, degrees. The way that they, you know, bought Manchester City to um, the way that they build Dubai Airport. Yeah. Um, the way that they're building an amazing kind of um, uh, uh, buildings and properties and mm-hmm. the world, the world um, fair that we've just been to in yeah. Dubai a few months ago. Um, I forgot the I forgot the beginning of the question. Actually, what was the beginning of the question? It was like how how network science is integral to business. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. So so some of those are the best proponents of it. Um, Even the horrific Donald Trump, um, he used it to great advantage in in his in the seventies and eighties. And um, you'll find that most successful business people, again, unknowingly or knowingly, use network science principles to massive advantage. Richard Branson's a brilliant example of it. uh, yeah, so it is absolutely integral. I, 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 you will never find in any industry a business that hasn't, again, unknowingly or knowingly followed principles, a business at the top. Just like any website at the top of any industry in, in, in Google, there will never be a website that hasn't applied network science um, better than everybody else. And network science, when it comes to in terms of online things, is you know more links than than their competitors and better content, which then begets more um, links. Yeah. So it's a bit like the Wembley thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, better content you have, the more links you get, and it's a, it's an ever growing cycle. Yeah. What? Go on. Sorry, Nafi, go ahead. I was going to say, like, one of, when you gave us a lecture, one of the things that you were you, that you examples that you used was like when you talk about the history of network science was the Silk Roads and how that yeah. created like a, a trade for people across the world. Yeah. With the advancement of technology and digital networks and things, do you see like more? Do you see one 
having more of an impact than the other, or do you think they both still have value today? I think it's based based on value, and again, it's whichever has got the best content. So there'll be some things that will be will be better on online, and some things will be always better in the in the physical realm. Um, but the the Silk Road thing that happened, you know, Middle Ages, happens a thousand times a week now. It, 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 just look at China. The, things like the Silk Road, the kind of mechanisms that made that are happening so fast it's untrue we we really don't realize as a human race how fast things are happening in in that regard it's so exponential now if so if network science would make businesses lives if understanding it would make people's lives easier why why do they not go out and find it because i hadn't heard of it until i joined embryo i'm sure nafi know the same the whole mathematics around it is still relatively new it's it's it started a few hundred years ago and um, it's still very, very new to this mm. day. Um, the kind of companies that... It's so new that the Google came along, for example, and used network science, where, whereas Yahoo and AltaVista and Excite, for older people in the room, in the, on the, listening to this, um, didn't. Um, and, that, uh, and that's only 20 years ago. It's, the reason is it's so relatively new. Yeah. Um, the grandfather of... Or the, the father of network science really is a guy called Barabasi, who's a... Um, a lecturer in uh, Hungary. He's constantly um, cannot believe how, like, how many, uh, how new it is. Mm. It's just so. It, 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 the, the the short answer is it's so um, new. It's unbelievable. But the the rate of knowledge increase is is so. Mm. Um, every day it probably triples. Yeah. You know. And, and again, like people like the Emiratis and, and especially businesses, some businesses in China and things like that are using it so fast that people in the West are getting really caught out. I would say the people in the West are, because we're stuck in our laurels in a way, resting on our laurels, we're probably the least, um, uh, the le- what's the way to explain it? We're using it less than everybody yeah. else at this moment. That's what it feels like to me. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm business A and I'm panicking now because... You're telling me that we should invest in network science. Where's the, where's the, what's a good starting point? What's the good, what's the first five things you do if it can be crystallized like that? The first, you need everybody in the business to understand what yeah. it is first. Because um, just having a bit, you know, when you have a little bit of knowledge and you, yeah. and you could be many degrees off, off course by the time you've gone down the road. Yeah. Um, Getting everybody on board. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's important that I get everybody um, indoctrinated by it when yeah. when I first join. Yeah. Even if you'd think you'll never use it, and lots of people might never use it, but yeah. it, there's little seeds of it around the business that people sort of get. Yeah, I, I can see that people get things where they may not have done if they hadn't gone through. Had it not been for that, I think it's one of those things like once it's explained to you, you kind of yeah. start seeing it in yeah. different areas of your life. It absolutely is. It's thing. like you've unlocked something, like yeah. a, you put on a pair of glasses or something. It's like, holy, holy cow. I think it's like a cheat code from yeah, the computer cheat game. Code, That's yeah. what it feels like to yeah. me. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. What was the, so that guy, Barabasi, what's the book that he wrote that you recommend? It's called Linked. Linked. Yeah. Right, we'll leave it. It's we'll amazing. Leave, it's we'll very leave, hard read, but amazing book. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, SEO is your bread and butter. It's Embryo's bread and butter. Why do businesses fail to see the importance of it? And is that our fault, i.e. the marketing industry's fault, or is it their fault? Combination of both. Again, the SEO industry is relatively new. Yeah. Um, there's some amazing stories of even only like 
20 years, less than 20 years ago of huge companies buying SEO from from um, SEO agencies that were just two guys in a council house in Glasgow using an old wardrobe, yeah. but they were spending they was, it was, it was spending like £30,000 a month with them. Um, the, the, the problem is we want, to, we, we want everything quick um, as clients um, in, in the West. We're generally like that anyway. Um, we're not we're not fans of longevity like we used to be um, because of, because of the internet and we, we know everything can be delivered fast. So I think definitely from a culture thing there's an issue, but also SEO agencies by their nature usually are very, very poor at explaining um, why things should be, um, why things take so long. Um, it's very rare that you get an SEO company that can explain those things in layman's terms, but also deliver from a technical side. And obviously the industry's peppered with charlatans and it has been for a long time, yeah. where, um, you know, there's underhanded things go on. So it's it's, a, it's both of them at fault, mm. both parts of the problem are at fault. And why do you think like SEO is such a vital tool for, for businesses, whatever the size, if they're big or small? Because of something called the messy middle, vast majority of people, no matter what we th like to think, we think we're, oh no, I know what I want, I'm going online and buy it, it's absolute poppycock. We, most of the people, 99% of people, spend an awful lot of time in what's called the messy middle, searching around for the thing that they want. They'll be, they'll be you know, I've just bought a, a garden shed, for example, and I wanted one with windows, then I didn't, then I wanted one, with a peaked roof, then I, then I didn't, then I wanted one with a, a, a window in the roof, then I, you know, and I, I did lots of what's called evaluation and exploration. Um, so the reason why SEO is important is because most of the people on the planet spend their time in, in this messy middle, which is effectively searching through Google a vast majority of the time. Um, and so, yeah, SEO is, is effectively just... Um, uh, a way to reach those people yeah. what you have quite a i like your view of seo and always kind of warm to it because it feels quite practical in terms of the things that need to be in whatever website you're building why is your view different to the run-of-the-mill view do you think the honest answer is there's lots of seos that get to us and i've, I've, I've been in the industry now for 22 years there's lots of really bright seos that have it's, it's, I would say it's an ego thing rather than a technical or a, or a knowledge thing. Lots of SEOs I've worked with in the past, they get to a certain level and think they've made it mm -hmm. and then stick to those principles yeah. forever. And then I've seen their careers die, really, or, yeah. or I've seen so-called really good SEOs in the Manchester, greater Manchester region from 10 years ago now have left the industry and, and have lots of bad things to say about it. But the truth is they got to a certain point and thought they'd made it and didn't push themselves any further. Mm. Um, there's almost like a bell curve of learning how to do technical things and then, then spend the rest of the time learning how to explain that in, in layman's terms. And many people get stuck on the brow of the hill. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's very few people that can understand the te technical parts and have gone through that that uh, journey and then come down the other side and realize that you have to talk to people in English. So um, I would say that's the only difference between me 
and I'm not better technically than lots of SEOs out there, but I understand how to explain it in English to mm. a non-technical person. And 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 so that's that's the the long answer is that people get to a certain point and think they've made it. It's the same with people in the acting world, people in any kind of world. It's an it's usually an ego thing, and it's that, that perseverance is the is key. Mm. And and what would you say to, to to a business who has that ego to kind of like push through it? What advice would you give them? Um, learn every single day. Don't think you know. Um, yeah. That's the that we've got. We've just taken um, board um, Andrew Holland, who's just come and worked with us. Who's done a podcast recently. He is the classic case of constantly learning. He learns more than anybody in the re- in our business by a factor of five. Mm. And it used to be me. And so I feel quite jealous that he's <laughs> he's that person, um, and you, you basically be like Andrew Holland in that way. He, he, the reason why his um, his stock's quite high is because that's the difference between him and most other people. Yeah, yeah. it seems quite simple, really, doesn't it? But I suppose it's actually doing it is yeah. it's simple in theory, but difficult yeah. in, process, in, what, in practice. Yeah. So what does what then does the future of get your crystal ball out? What does the future of SEO look like for those that are wanting to continuously learn, wanting to be an Andrew Holland or James Welch? It, it, the future is be, belonging into a, a maturing industry where they get taken more seriously as... They'll get taken as seriously as people from like KPMG and, and those kind of consultative kind of industries rather than the geeks in the corner. Mm. You really think it'll be that significant? It will become... 100%, yeah. yeah. In what time frame do you think? Probably 10 years. Yeah. So in 10 years' time, the geeks in the corner kind of thing will be the... You know, the top level, the top dogs sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you touched on the messy middle then. Um, how significant is it going to be? Is it a new thing? Has it always been there? Are we just kind of put a name to it? It's always been there, but Google only recently, by their own admission, realised just how big it was. They knew it was big, but they mm. didn't even contemplate it was anywhere near as big as they thought it was. What did you put that down to? That that Because that's Google. I mean, God, if they can't... The, the voluminous voluminous nature of the web yeah how much content gets produced every single day yeah is beyond our wildest dreams that could you know yeah didn't you say that all the all the content that went on the internet in 94 has been already been put on today or something like that yeah i remember that kind of really sort of stuck stuck with me um it's been fascinating i could talk to you for hours about this sort of stuff and do regularly in the office and bore you to tears um before we let you go uh nafi is going to do the quick fire round which is 10 questions, uh, all varying levels of silliness. Uh, Nafi, take it away. Question one, what's your favourite chocolate bar? Whole nut. Good show. Your biggest inspiration? My grandfather. Oh, that's nice. Your best habit? Um, Working. And your worst habit? Working. (laughs) What would you, what was the one thing that you would change about yourself? Um, I like to have a bigger beard. <laughs> um, if you could describe your life in three words. Um, it's a hard one, that one. In three words. Horrific. <laughs> metamorphosis. Relaxing. I like that word, metamorphosis. You did ask? That's, a, that's fair. Hey, look, we ask. What's something new happening in your life right now? Something new? Yes. I'm currently making in my spare time a computer game that I've been making for 33 years. 
That's exciting. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> Looking forward to telling you more about more about that. What was your best subject at school? Um, IT. I can see that. And what does success look like? For me personally, it's um, leaving all the business decisions of Embryo to the new management team that we've built. That means that I can be freed up to come up with more ideas for the business. And your three favourite books? Relisha Breaks by James W. Newman, best book ever written on self-help or business. Um, then Linked by Barabasi, I think. And then The Wizard of Oz, the original Wizard of Oz. I'll be buying them. James Welch, thank you so much for coming on Nevermind the Keywords. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back. Well, um, that was a interesting half hour, wasn't it? Um, it's rare we get, James is such a busy guy, it's rare we actually get to sit down to chat to him. So it was really nice to pick his brain about SEO and the, the messy middle and network science and all those sorts of things. Yeah, he's such a fountain of knowledge and to be able to have him on the podcast yeah. is just incredible. Yes, he's a fountain of knowledge. Yeah, I think he's just full of ideas and I think it's rare to have people like that around you that are just like ideas machines that just churn out stuff. Um, yes. We're lucky to have him in the office and to be able to give that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I hope um, those listening and watching at home have kind of got a bit of insight uh, about where they maybe need to take their business, their website, their kind of digital presence. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and never mind the keywords. If you did, uh, be sure to download the episode, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, tell all your mates. It does a great deal of it does a great deal of help getting the podcast out there and getting us in new listeners' ears. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode of Nevermind the Keywords. <laughs>